Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Glad you're with us today on demand. On demand is the place to be if you are facing a challenge, a challenge where you're trying to figure out how in the world to manage isolating moments when it's just me and God trying to work it out. This is a sermon for you. Everybody has to come to this moment when it's just you, your issue, and your God. And so I want you to stay with me today. Open your Bible to the book of Judges, chapter 6. We're going to work our way through a study that's going to show you five key things. You know, every year I talk about a specific theme. This year's theme has been, how do you dream? How do you dream again? If you want to dream, there are five keys. And one of them is learning to manage isolation. Stay with me today. It's going to be great. Joshua, Judges, did I say Joshua? I mean Judges, chapter 6. It's going to be great. Stay there. Enjoy. Today, I want to give you something to thank him for. I want to take you on a journey in a brand new series. I want to take you down a road that I think will be helpful because every year I try to answer one question that might help you in your daily life. The question for this year has been, how do you dream again? Now, I believe as we come near the end of this year, I want to share with you five simple principles that I believe are important this month, five things that everybody that's a dreamer needs. Everybody needs to have these skills and these talents that they want to have a dream come true in their life. Now, I want to say this, one of the saddest things is to feel as if your dream can't come true. And there are a lot of people like that right now. They're in a season where they feel hopeless. They feel like there's no way. But I believe this is an opportunity. That's how I see it. This is an opportunity for all of us to launch into a new beginning. This is an opportunity. I do not see this as a lose-lose. I do not see this as a defeated moment or a defeated season. This is a season of great challenge. We all know the challenges, but here's what I, I believe. That, first of all, God exposes things to you during seasons of challenge, things you didn't know about yourself or about other people. And that's a benefit. Now you know. That's what I always tell my wife. Now you know. See, now you know. She says, I can't believe. I say, yeah, but now you know. You're no, you're no longer in the dark. One of the worst places to be is in the dark. I always say, try not to be the dumbest one in the room. You know, <laughs> That's my little saying. Because sometimes I'm dumb, but I just don't want to be the dumbest one. I want to know, hey, okay, I want to know about that, you see. And there are times you feel that way. There are times you feel like everybody knew but you. But that's okay, now you know. So now that you know, you can make the adjustment because guess what? Now you know. So you say that with me, now I know. Work with me, come on. Now I know. That's right, now you know. He's not faithful. Now you know they're not going to give you any money. Now you know. So now you need to do your own, take care of your business, because now you know. And it's now you don't default anybody. You need to just take care of your business. There's a story that we're going to look at in the book of Judges in a minute, chapter 6. And we're going to notice a guy who has one of those attributes anybody that's dreaming needs, the ability to manage isolation, moments when there's nobody around. So let me, if I can, I'm going to put the words up on the screen. I'm going to give you a sample of the five things we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. And these five words, each of them plays a part in the series, and each of them will help you learn how to build skills and develop things that can help you get to the dreams you have in your life. The first one is you got to learn how to manage, here's the key word, isolation. That's right. You got to learn how to just be by yourself. You got to have a moment in your life when there's nobody around you. You have to be able to be with you and manage a crisis and face your own insecurities and your own moments of, of difficulty. Isolation can make and break you. Today we'll talk about a lot about that, so I'll come back to that. 
The second word is advantage. Advantage. Every now and then in life, you get an advantage. Every now and then in life, something happens. Somebody wins the presidential election. Somebody has control of the government. Somebody. And when that person comes into power, that person has an advantage. And the question is, what do they do with that advantage? Do they help others or do they help themselves? It's all about managing advantage. I have some advantages as a pastor. I have an advantage as a father. I have an advantage as a homeowner. I have an advantage as the guy who has the, um, the control of employment. I'm an employer. I pay people's salary. Now, when, when, I, when I'm in charge of that, there's an advantage I have. But I have to manage that advantage right. And so we'll talk a lot about advantages in the coming weeks. Third word I want you to look at is the word fear. Fear can be good because there's some things you should be afraid of. There's some things you should be afraid of doing. There's some places you should be afraid of going. There's some things you should never do. But fear can also be negative. But I'm going to talk about fear. I'm going to talk about how fear can cause you to not be a part of, of, of a bigger plan that God may have for your life. It's an amazing study. You don't want to miss it. Number four, the word distractions. We'll talk about how easy it is to be distracted. If you've been around people who are distracted, you can really become frustrated because their distractions can impact how you think. It can impact all of your options in life. And we'll talk a lot about the challenge of being distracted. So if you're going to be a person who's going to dream again, number one, you got to make sure that you're clear and you know how to manage isolation. Number two, you have to know how to manage advantage. Number three, you have to know how to manage fear. And number four, you have to learn how to manage distractions. Now, the last and the fifth word is a word that's really big. This is a big word. And it's a hard word for a lot of people. It's called change. <laughs> they don't do well with change. They don't do well with that season in life when things are no longer the same. That season in life when you used to ride a horse, right? And then you were feeling really good about yourself because you remember walking. You remember the walking season? You walked. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, now you got a horse and you feel like, man, I am I'm rolling. And then, then a car comes along, right? And you get in the car and now you look back and you think, man, who wants, to, who wants to ride on a horse? You know, you just, the horse gets tired. You got to stop. You know, it's just, no, we want to stay in the car. As long as there's gas, we can roll. But then all of a sudden you, you find out about a plane, right? And now you can fly and you're going, man, oh man, who wants to ride in the car? Because we can fly now. Change, you see, change, change. And then all of a sudden once you fly, you fly in that plane, your whole life has changed. You can now get from here, from Georgia to California in four hours and you're going, whoa, this is so much better than days and days of walking or days and days of riding on a horse, or days and days of riding in a car. There's something about the ability to get there fast. And so I want to talk to you about how dreaming people have to learn how to manage all of those traits, all of those, all those issues. Let me take you on a story that I think will help us get started in the series, and it's a story about a young man named Gideon. This is a guy who's going to model isolation for us because he has a very challenging season. His people are facing an isolating moment. The people now are being harassed by the Midianites and they are confused. They're frustrated and they don't really have a way out. I don't know if you had an enemy that you just couldn't get rid of, a problem you just couldn't, you couldn't shake. Listen to this. This is Judges chapter 6 verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hand of the Midianites. Because of the power of Midian was so oppressive, 
The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountains, clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. Wow. So here you have the abuse of a nation, the abuse of a people. Every time they planted crops, they put their crops in the ground, and the Midianites would come and take them. I mean, it's like working every week for a paycheck, and then somebody comes and collects your paycheck. It was horrible. But in that moment, the people cried out, and they, they became frustrated. So let me show you another verse. Look at verse 7. It says, When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the land of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of, you, of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship, do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. So the prophet says, let me tell you guys why you're here. Let me tell you why you're in this bondage. Now, there's a lesson in this. You're in this bondage. You've been isolated because of rebellion. This is because of the choices you've made. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. If you're honest, this is really important. When you're isolated, you're forced to think about things. And so while they're under this pressure, they're, they're, they're under all this horrible pressure, and, and the Lord sends a prophet to them and says, can we talk? You want to know why you're here? Can we discuss why you're facing this right now? You know, let's talk about why you're here. That's a great conversation. Can we, you and I maybe have that conversation. So why are you divorced? Could it be that you, could it be? Maybe you didn't do anything. And sometimes that's true. Why are you here? Why are you here? What, what has brought you to this place? Now, I agree. It could be somebody else's, you know, contribution. But let's just say, could it be that you, you, you are part of the problem? Could it be? Just a thought. Could it be that your finances are tied to, could it be, you know, you, you're under this horrible burden because of things you've done? And that's what he tells them. Own up to what you've done. Own up to your contribution to the issues. Be fair. You might say, well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I remember one courageous person told me that in a conversation I thought was really fantastic the way it was said to me. I didn't have a vote in that. I, I didn't get to vote in that. They, they did that. that was the, they, they chose to do that. I've heard that over and over and over again in several conversations with people. They chose to, to wreck the company. They chose to, and, I, and I, I just was a victim of it. But I want you to also look at the side when you are a part of the problem. In this case, Israel was a part of the problem. They had rebelled against God, and now they were in this horrible, horrible place. This incredible season, and so now they are trying to find their way out of it. And God sends a man. He sends somebody to help them. I believe that whenever you have a challenge, God has an answer for you. I have learned this. Now, I'm telling you, this is my testimony. I've been serving the Lord Jesus since I was about 15. And I was uh, really surprised how God sovereignly came in and probably really got converted around 14, which is when most people get converted. Most, most people get converted statistically when they're teenagers, when they're young. And as a matter of fact, did you know that if you don't reach a person by the time they're 18, there's only, a, oh, I think, a 2% chance they're going to come to God? The real fruit are, are young people. That's when you win them, and they grow older. They may backslide and go through just, but you really first have their big encounter with God is when they're young. 
That's why it's a huge mistake for churches not to have a huge commitment to youth. That's where your money needs to be spent. That's where your investment needs to be made because that's where the real fruit is. Well, anyway, so I came to Christ and I've been serving Jesus. And I'm telling you, I've learned some valuable lessons. I've learned that in, in life sometimes you, you can get to a place where you just can't see your way forward. You can't see yourself. You can't figure out where you are in life. Your whole vision gets lost. And when your vision gets lost, isolating moments can sometimes bring you back. They bring you back to a place. And so now the nation's lost. It's gone off the, it's gone off the, off the cliff. And, and so now God uses Gideon. He raises up this young man who's going to become an example of how to get back on track. Watch what happens. This is chapter 6, verse 11. An angel of the Lord came and, and down and under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abazarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So here's a guy, his name is Gideon, and he is threshing wheat in a what's called a wine press. This is like an he's in this indoor area where he's he's threshing the wheat, he's getting the wheat ready for harvest. He's He's, there's this process that's really quite amazing. They would throw it in the air and, 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 and the little wheat would, uh, kernels on the end they would save and the rest they would use for other purposes. But he was in there going through this process um, and, and while he was doing this, God, God spoke to him. An angel came and spoke to him. So I want you to watch what's happening. Here's a guy that's being led to a new place. He's isolated, he's alone, and he's frustrated. But in that moment of isolation, God speaks to him. And I've seen this over and over again. It's when I've been isolated. It's when, that's why this season that we're dealing with, I, I am trying to embrace the isolation, embrace the, the time alone with God, embrace those moments, because this is when he comes. He comes to you, and he comes to, to Gideon, and he talks to him, and this is the moment that changes his life, this exchange. Watch what happens. This is verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> wow. Gideon goes, really? He's going to respond in verse 13 in a way that is uniquely Gideon. Here's what he's going to say. Pardon me? Pardon me? Mate. Yeah, here, okay. Now, Wherever you are, and I don't think at this point he really understood it was an angel. But here's what he said. Pardon me, my Lord. He's respectful. Uh, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Okay, that doesn't sound good. Sounds like he's mad, right? Got a little chip on his shoulder. He's frustrated. So he's isolated, and he's also frustrated with God and religion at this point. All this stuff about God and all this stuff about God delivering us, I don't see it. Uh, this is not working out for us. And so this is that moment where a transformation happens. Because in that moment, first of all, the good thing is he's being honest. And maybe that's a good starting place for you. You need to be honest. Your life is not where you thought it would be, right? This is not your dream, right? 
You're isolated, you're frustrated, you know what's going on, you feel like the people have taken things from you. you you've made, I don't know who your Midianites are, the people who came in and sucked away your life, sucked away your money, sucked away your joy, sucked away your retirement. I don't know who it is, but your Midianites have been vexing you and you are frustrated. He's frustrated. But what's interesting is God steps right over what he said. Here's what I love. He steps right over what he says. And you know what he does? He basically says this. What I'm going to do, sir, for you, is ignore that. I love this. And this is one of God's great traits. He ignores things. Sometimes he just flat out says, I don't care what you think happened to you. I'm going to ignore what you just said. And I'm just going to move on and let it be what it be. And so here's what happens. First of all, God's going to help him face some things in the middle of this moment. Verse 14, the Lord uh, turned to him and said, go in, in the strength you have and save Israel. I'm not asking you to go and do anything with what you don't have. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. I want to use you to change the world. I want to use you to change the world. I want you to pause and think about that. This was a moment when God was challenging this man to look inside his own life. He's isolated, he's frustrated, and now God's going to show him he has an insecurity problem. Sometimes it's not until you're isolated that you can see your insecurities. It's not until you're isolated that you can see you struggle. Now watch this. This is an amazing moment. This is in verse chapter 6, verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. And, and, and he said, and, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? You. I want you to go. Now, now here he goes again. He says the classic words. This is classic Gideon. Pardon me. <laughs> I love it. I just love this verse. I love, I love verse 15. He says it in verse 13 and verse 15. Pardon me. 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 You're talking about me. Watch what he says. Verse Verse 15, listen, to, listen for the insecurity. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in, in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. That's the answer the Lord gave him. I'm the least in my family, but the Lord said, I'll be with you, and you shall strike down all the Midianites. You're going to whip everybody, boy. You're going to whip everybody. If you go, I'm with you. I know you don't have everything you think you need, but I can get you there. I can get you there. I can relate to that. I'm, I'm, I, sometimes I look at my life, I think, man, I'm a young guy born in Savannah, Georgia, dropped in Savannah for a couple of months, about 24 months, went to high school here. Most of my undergrad, oh, my undergrad, there I go. Most of, <laughs> most of my elementary, middle school, and high school years were in California, Los Angeles, where I grew up. But uh, I dropped in here about 24 months and got to know folks, and that's when I fell in love with Savannah. My mama had that come home thing, and then we went right to L.A., and I, I finished school, and, and then went to college there. But, but God said, I, I'm going to take that guy, that guy, and I'm going to use him. That's what, he, that's what he does. He takes people who don't have much, who don't have big credentials. And he says, I'm going to take that guy, make him a speaker, a public speaker. Amazing. It's amazing to me all the time. I'm shocked myself. 
I still go, wow. I'm 62 and I'm going, wow, I can't believe I, I do this <laughs> for a living. But that's, that's how he works. So he tells Gideon, Gideon, listen, man, forget your problems. I'm telling you, I'm going to use you. I'll go with you. I'll get you there. And so Gideon says, okay, um, tell you what, I'll consider it if you give me some confirmation. <laughs> so, no, no, so Gideon says this. This is so cool. There's four examples of confirmations that God gives him. Three I want to talk about then. There's a fourth bonus one I'll, I'll mention. But I, I'm not going to read all the verses. This is too much to read. But let me just kind of summarize them for you. The first one is in chapter 6, verse 19. Right? In chapter 6, verse 19, there's this moment. Well, uh, and, and let me, well, let me read before I, before I do that. Let me read for you chapter 6, verse 17. Let me read this verse. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is, that is really, uh, you talk, that's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back. So Gideon says, hey, I need a sign. I, I, need, some, I need some evidence. So here, here we go. Chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Now, that's where he sees the first sign. I'm not going to read it. It's too, too, too much to read. Basically, he goes and he cooks up this offering and brings it to this angel who I guess he's figured it out by now is an angel. And, and the angel touches it and it kind of, you know, blows up in big smoke and it's this big deal. And it's like, OK, that was the, you know, all right. That's a sign. man. that's whew, wow. You saw that. You know, so you can imagine he brings this thing, gives it to the angel. Angel puts it on the altar, touches it and it goes boom, whatever. Whatever happened is this big. And so now he's like, wow, but that's not enough. That's not enough. Second sign. So God says this. I'll tell you what you do. I want you to go. God tells him, I want you to go. And I want you to go to your father's house. And here's another sign. I want you to tear down his altar to Baal. Now, that's a big deal. They would kill you for this. This is in chapter 6, verse 25 through verse 32. You can read it on your own. Genesis, Judges chapter 6, verse 25 through 32. So what he does is he goes and he tears down his father's altar. He gets 10 guys in the middle of the night, right? And they tear it all down, build up another altar. It's this whole thing he does. And, it, and they don't kill him. When they find out they did it, they don't kill him. That's another sign. God's with you. I told you I'll be with you. You do what I say and you'll be okay, right? So that's two signs. Well, that's not enough for Gideon. Here's, here's the most famous sign, the fleece. So, so there's this incredible moment where he says, tell you what, in chapter 6, verse 33 through verse 40, he says, if you would just, like, they take the fleece, this fleece, right? And I'm going to put it out, and, and you let it be kind of wet all around, and the fleece dry, or let it be wet, all, let the fleece be wet, and then let it be dry all around. So twice he goes back and forth with God about this fleece. If you want me to go, then I'll put this down here, and it's going to be wet all around. And then God did that. He says, okay, I tell you what, God, just one more time. Don't be mad with me. If you could just let this be, the little thing be wet and then let it be dry. You know, God does both. What do you want me to do, boy, to show you it's okay? What confirmation you need? Now, this is a sign of his insecurity. Some of us are like this. You need really big confirmations to do anything. Confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. Which brings me to the fourth moment. God, in chapter 7, says, okay, I'm going to give you a fourth sign. So Gideon is excited, right? Gideon's really ready to go. Gideon finally says, I'll go. And Gideon gets together a bunch of men. He gets together a big army. He's going to free Israel from the Midianites. It's a great moment. And this is, this is good. This is a guy starting like he means it. Well, watch what happens. There's a moment 
God is going to give him a Forbes sign, and it's, it's something he didn't ask for. I've noticed this about working with God. He does these things you didn't ask him for. You know, like I, I wanted to kind of like preach and maybe teach the Bible. Went to, went to, went to my undergrad, studied theology. I thought, okay, you know, I'll teach the Bible or whatever, but I didn't want to be a pastor. So he kind of added that in. <laughs> he, he threw that in there. So, he, so in chapter 7, watch what he's going to do. He's going to throw some stuff in on Gideon. It's really pretty cool. It's really great. Chapter 7, verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into, your, into their hands. Our, our Israel will boast against me. My own strength have saved me, they'll say. Right? Verse 3. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. Okay, so, you know, let me get this right, God. You want me, I got 32 soldiers, 1,000 soldiers. You know, I really worked hard to get these guys all together. Okay, so now you want me to ask them who's fearful. And so, you know, you can see Gideon getting up going, okay, uh, who's scared? If you're scared, fearful, don't want to fight, you don't want to be here, you can go. And 22,000 get up and leave. Two-thirds of the army. Okay, this is bad. They're leaving in droves. I mean, this has got to be like a mass exodus. You can see guys saying, shoot, I don't want to get killed. I'm leaving. I mean, so this is majorly departure. 10,000 guys are left. Now watch this. Okay, this is God. He's amazing. <laughs> Verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, um, God, God, so God, so Gideon took the men down to the water. I'm sorry. Verse four, the Lord said to Gideon, I'll get it right in a minute. The Lord said to Gideon, there's, there's still too many. There's still too many. <laughs> this is comical. Okay. It's too many still. Yeah, it's still too many. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, I want you to do a little test. I want you to go down to the river and I'm going to give you two sets of instructions. So I want you, okay, if one set does this, I want you to put them over here. If the other set of guys do this, put them over there. So here's what's going to happen. Look at verse 5. Here we go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. Then the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongue as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs, and the rest got down on their knees to drink. Now think about this. So Gideon goes down, right? And he says, okay, guys, just one more little test here. Um, guys who drink like this, and they look up, all you guys over here. The other guys, when they went to drink, they put their heads down like this. Didn't look up. Anybody could attack them. They didn't pay any attention. <laughs> they were so distracted by drinking, they didn't care. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. This is a story that illustrates how some people are. Fearful, they'll never fight. They're not going to hang with you. Distracted people who will not pay attention to what's going on around them. Boy, I'll tell you, we'll come back to them later on, I promise in another study, but I want to say this to you. This is a story where Gideon learned a lesson. With 300 people, God turned everything around. With 300 people, God fixed everything. 
God gave him victory with 300 soldiers. And then I want to tell you, the last thing he did was God showed him a new way. He changed the battle techniques. He says, I want you to go, and this is in chapter, 19, chapter um, 7, verse 19 through 20, and you can read it on your own. He said, I want you guys to go, and I want you to get trumpets, jars, torches. And then when you get those three things together, I want you to make one confession. I want you to go sneak up on your enemy at night. And when, you, when he's in his camp, I want you to get these torches. And I want you to get these jars. I want you to break them. And then I want you to, I want you to say something. Blow your trumpet and say these words. A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. That's all I want you to say. I want you to make a confession. A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to give you victory over all of your enemies. All I need you to do is to say what I, I, I want you to say. And this is a change of battle tactics. Listen to this now. You know, sometimes you want God to do things one way and he won't. He has another way. Sometimes you've been waiting for God to come through a way you thought he would come through, but he didn't come through that way. He has another way. And sometimes you're afraid of that way. Sometimes you can't put your arm all around this season. You can't put your arm all around what God wants you to do that's new. Sometimes change, a new city, a new job, a new place is, is where God wants you to be. You don't need to be afraid of that. You need, this was a new battle tactic. It didn't make sense. What do you mean you want me to get some trumpets? You want me to go up against thousands of people with trumpets? What do you mean some, some, get some jars and break them? I mean, what is that? And, but, but that's a new plan. And let me tell you, it worked. And let me tell you, God's plan for you will work. It's not the plan you planned. It's not the way you thought it would be. You are not where you thought you'd be. You are in a place you never dreamed you'd be in your life. You are totally shocked by the circumstances you're trying to manage. Your life is pushing you. Your money is pushing you. Your family is pushing you. You are troubled on every side, but God is still God. And God says, you know what? You want me to give you a fancy job? You want me to give you all these talented abilities and skilled people around you? But I'm going to give you Hibbley Joe and Bubba Louie, and I'm going to make your business successful. I'm going to help you. You'll get what you need down the road, but you need to know I'm God right now. There are times in my life when I've had less, but I got more. There are times in my life when I didn't know which way to go, but God showed me the way to go. And in this season of our life, when the political world is up, 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 all around us, bothering us on every side, God says, be still, trust me, be calm, be cool, be collected. I always say that, all seas on deck, cool, calm, and collected. Mm, those are my friends, cool, calm, and collected. I believe God sends his spirit and says, Ricky Temple, let me tell you something. If you walk with me, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So I tell my, myself, all right, cool, calm and collected. Goodness and mercy is behind me. Goodness and mercy is going to help me. When I cannot see my way, goodness and mercy will be there. So I'm going to stay calm, cool, and collected. Stop worrying yourself. Don't worry about a man coming. Don't worry about a woman coming. Don't worry about a job coming. Just work yourself. If nobody will hire you, hire yourself. Build a business. Find a way. Dig out, dig out a ditch. Don't you quit and don't you surrender. Oh, man, my time's up. I got to go. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for letting me talk to you today. Thank you for letting me share a word with you today. I hope it helps you. Let me pray for you. Father, let this be the moment when they say, I get it. Change. Embracing you and embracing change. 
embracing, Lord God, the moments when I'm tempted to be one of the distracted people whose head's buried and I'm not looking. But let me lift my head up and look around. Father, in Jesus' name, I cannot be a fearful person who gives up on life. I've got to fight and be confident. And so, God, we trust you today with our world, with our country, with this season, and we believe your hands on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Thank you for letting me share these few minutes with you. I, I pray they inspired you to believe you can. And I want to tell you something. There's nothing like being excited about your life. Excited soldiers always fight better. Oh, yeah. When you're excited, when you're full of the Holy Spirit and confident. And, and that's not some spooky statement, man. That's, that's, that's just me. You know what being full of the Spirit means? That simply means being open to God's fullness. It just simply means saying, God, I invite your presence into my life. And I want your fullness. And some of you right now, that's what you need. I want to pray for you. Some of you need to say, God, I need your fullness in my life. I invite all of you to come into my heart and life, into my choices, into my thinking process, into my frustrations and help me manage my temper, manage my words. I want to be a different person. I don't want to be like I've always been. I want to be something different. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those of you who would say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I need to start a new life and I need you to help me. Let this be the moment. You died on the cross to give me the right and the freedom to walk past my sins and come to you and receive your full forgiveness. So today is that day in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message. I pray that it lifted you and showed you how easy it is for a person to not know how to manage isolation. Sometimes in life you get isolated because the fearful won't stand with you. Sometimes you get isolated because the distracted can't stay with you. And sometimes you get isolated because the people around you won't change. They want to embrace new technology, new ways of doing things, and so you are left by yourself. But you can make it if you trust your God. I guarantee you this, this series is going to help you. So stay with me for the rest of it. I promise this is the beginning of a new journey for you to look at isolation differently and to rise above it. Let's pray. Father, let this be a great moment of breakthrough for them today, a healing moment, a delivering moment, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. See you next time right here on demand. There's more work for you. Stay with us. It's got a lot to talk about down the road. Stay there. See you next time. Bye-bye.